Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Zach. Welcome to the week that is, the week that was, because we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff that happened. Right. And articles that we've read and interesting things, which kind of comes together in a theme. You tell us if it does. We think it does. I'm just, I'm excited to be along for the ride, because normally, uh, well, the past handful of episodes anyway, I've been kind of leading the topic so I'm, I'm excited just to be here yeah you get to be the reaction color guy yeah. this I, week i don't know what we're talking about this week like at all like i haven't prepped i haven't taken any notes and i'm excited to sit back relax and enjoy the show can i be honest i barely know what we're talking about myself great so, great this yeah. is gonna be a good one that's we're building it up we're back to the original <laughs> formula how's your training been good man um so I went for a... This is where we establish credibility as runners before we talk <laughs> so about stuff. You know that we actually do this stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, uh, last week, well, this past week on Saturday, I went for my longest run to date in, in quite a while. Mm-hmm. since Not since before uh, the Ultra have I run this distance. So I went uh, 30 kilometers. It's about 18.6 miles or so. Yeah. Uh, and it was good. It was just basically we decided to keep it steady and I went at about... Uh, pace that was about a minute and a half faster than goal marathon pace in miles anyway in miles so that worked out to about a 9.15 to 9.30 mile and about a 5.40 kilometer and I was happy with that felt good you know I didn't fade home or anything I I stayed pretty consistent the whole way Uh, this week is back to business as usual so Monday had my 13 kilometer or 8 mile recovery run Tuesday was an incline workout that was a Bitch. Was so, that incline on the treadmill? Incline on the treadmill. Yeah. So basically it was, um, you know, it was two mile warm up. Then it was two at six minutes at 15% incline hard. And then it was four, three minutes at 15% incline hard. And then it was eight at 90 seconds on a 50, 15% incline hard. And, and that last eight, I just basically every rep... Um, and there was a, there's a minute rest between mm-hmm. every rep I took, I'd go, um, what was it? It was eight kilometers an hour, 8.5 kilometers an hour, all the way up. And I went to 10.5 kilometers an hour in that mm-hmm. last minute and a half at 15%. Is that what hard means? That sucked. Yeah. That hard was. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, what does the hard mean in that? Are you like getting basically st- just stiffy and running along? Jesus. <laughs> uh, so hard. It's actually funny. I was actually just listening. That'd be hard to maintain blood flow. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I was listening mm-hmm. to this episode in the, uh, Breaking the Barrier. The I've, running... I've heard of Breaking the Barrier podcast. It's a, it's a great episode. Yeah, a great. Great, yeah. great podcast. Too bad mm. we haven't actually talked about it. It was The Running Public. Oh. Uh, and, you know, they were talking about what hard... The better pub, the, the, the better podcast. The better version of us. Yeah. We're kind of like budget running yeah. public. We're not even the home... We're not even the yeah the poor man's. We're the homeless man's mm. running public. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's basically us. Uh, you know that gif of the, like, Superman dancing? I think he's like an um, uh, Indian Superman. He's, like, doing, like, Bollywood oh, yeah. dancing. We are that yes. to their Christopher Reeve yeah. Superman. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so hard was just basically I was at about a 165 heart rate okay. for each effort. Uh, today it was just a nice kind of gray area run. So it was just basically 70 minutes moderate, about a 150 heart rate the whole time. So it's not mm. quite anaerobic, but it's just uh, just at the top of that aerobic range. And then yeah. tomorrow I'm kind of I'm excited about tomorrow's workout. It's going to be a long run. I normally do on Saturday, but this one's a long run workout. I'll probably hit about only maybe, I don't know, 20 kilometers or so, 12 miles or something. But it's like, it's two miles warm up, and then it's 
straight into a hard tempo three mile. So basically a hard 5K. Yep. Uh, I will probably not do 5K race effort at that. I'll, I'll do something faster than what I did for my half marathon. I'm going to try maybe seven minute miles or mm-hmm. about a 445, I think, 430 kilometer. Then it's uh, six, then it's rest for three minutes, 60 seconds easy, 60 seconds hard. Repeat that 10 times. My God. And then another, and then another 5K hard tempo. Yep. And then two miles cool down. So it's going to be a real. You need like a cheat sheet when you do these work. Do you know what I, do you know what I've been doing? Because uh, some of them are really confusing. And oh, I yeah. I don't want to like look at my phone the whole time. I felt like a Labrador just then. You were talking and I was like, mm, uh, what's going on? I, I program them into my Garmin now. So I'm just like, oh, really? Uh, into the, uh, into the app. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll program the workout. So, you know, you can do it in your Garmin app by duration, by distance, mm. whatever. And so I'll just program every segment, every interval. So I don't have to think. It's just my watch beeps. It tells me what to do. And then I do it. How often do you reuse the same workout? Or are you like customizing it? With Kirk, not yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically, you know, with the trickier ones like this, where mm. it's like there's multiple steps, yep. I, I will do that. Um, but probably back in the, when I started running and i was doing interval workouts i i had a few on there that i would yeah. go to like you know the the warm-up and then yeah. 12 times 400 meter repeats with yeah. a minute rest or you know yasso 800s obviously so you can program a bunch of those kind of stock standard ones and anytime you just want to sharpen up things a little bit you can do that yeah yeah uh, but yeah kirk just likes to keep me thinking yeah exactly yeah well you know no one is better than maths than a runner in the middle of a long run trying to calculate something so yeah, yeah. that's yeah. when we do our best that's why i balance my my budget and do my taxes exactly yeah exactly i'm like okay i've hit a 930 mile i want to hit another 930 mile mm. for five more miles mm. oh, what's that mean yeah so, <laughs> that's a lot of fun how about you man how's it going yeah good good um got out on the weekend did yep. a three hour long run um felt pretty good with it got mm. through 32 and a bit k's in three hours which is pretty nice pace yeah i didn't want to say anything but you were a 32 was a two kilometers more than i did and b your pace was 10 seconds per kilometer faster than mine and i'm not bitter well i didn't know that it was further or faster but i'm quite happy to hear it now so (laughs) um so I'm, i'm feeling pretty good i've got a it's not a race but it's a organized training run this weekend so i'm going down to the bellarine surf coast and I'm doing the Ballerine Rail Trail Run, which is a 17 kilometers out, 17 kilometers back. It's not a race? It's not a race. Okay, so there's no medal. There's no medal. It's just a... Okay. You get a bib and you get a time. Oh. But there's no medal. It's just a uh, an organized training run. Okay, It's not cool. a race. That's yeah. fun. Um, there's no... Aid state. There's no aid stations provided, but you can drop your gear off with them, and they will take it to the aid station if you want. So if you want to have bottles out on the course and stuff, you can do that. But most people just run with a vest and carry their own water and everything, carry their own gels. It really is an event that's a tune-up before Melbourne Marathon, which is six weeks away now. Seven weeks. Yeah, it is right, right around there. So it's getting really close. It's getting really close. Next week, I'm going out for my 32-kilometer run. I think after that is deload week. We'll do one or two more big runs, and then we're going to back it right off. Pretty much. That's going to put us into yeah, Taperland. Yeah. So this is a, this is an opportunity to go do 34K, so it's a long run, and really practice your fueling strategy. Mm. So with me, I'm going to mess around with how do I feel taking gels at that 50-minute range? Is that too often? Is that not enough? You know, yep. try, and, try and play with that. Try and play with my, um, my gel of choice, which I'm going to use for 
the rest of my training block and up to the actual marathon. Did you fuel on your 32? I did. I took a couple of gels yes, on my 32. Had it. Yeah. I didn't even do... I, I, I had my UCAN bar before, but I didn't practice any fueling at all. Yeah. And I think... 28 kilometers in, I stopped at the petrol station and got some power at zero. But that yeah. was it. Well, I ended up doing 26Ks just running around locally with different people. And then I went and ran the last 6Ks on an oval with mm. Daryl. Because Daryl was like, oh, I need to get my 6Ks in. He's still oval uh, running. Oval? So I, me and uh, Carlo and um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, got to the oval to run with Daryl. Omar. No, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't really? Omar. No, it's no, always Omar. It was Lady. Um, exactly I'm, I'm drawing Omar. a blank. Laurie. Oh, right on. Laurie. Okay. Um, got there uh, and went to run laps of the Oval. Carlo and Laurie lasted like 800 meters, and they went, "We can't do it. Yeah, we just can't do it." And Carlo said he was broken on the Oval. The second he got off the Oval and got started running on the road again, he was back to normal. He right. was feeling fine. I hate Oval. But I ended up doing like my fastest six Ks basically around the Oval at the end, which was which was good. Um, so that was my, my 32. And so this week has been pretty easy. I've um, 5Ks Monday track session. So it was 10 by 500s on Tuesday night. Yep. Uh, which is good. I managed to stay under 350 pace for most of those. Nice. Which is nice. And then uh, did my bike ride commute yesterday. And then this, tonight, I've just come from track. And we did five by one kilometer repeats. Oh, gross. Um, yeah. They weren't my best. I was between like... About a four fifteen pace yeah. for them, but I just felt really heavy. I felt really still pretty slow. good though, considering you, how much riding you've done. It's not bad. I'm pretty. Ha I'm like I'm okay with it. It's better than I would have been six months ago when I was in the middle of like ultra training. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was doing ultra training, I would have been lucky to do a five minute kilometer. Mm -hmm. So being able to go four fifteen is is good. But this weekend, getting out there, doing the thirty four k's, and it's great. It starts at eight thirty in the morning. It's actually a really late start. Yeah. So you can wake up. At a fairly reasonable time, you don't get have to get up at sleep. dumbass o'clock. Don't have to get up at like four o'clock like you do for the rest of these races that start at seven o'clock in the morning. It's it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. and it's going to be quiet. I think there's about uh, maybe seventy people doing the thirty-four, okay. and a, a bit over a hundred doing the seventeen. So not a huge event, only about two hundred people. But yeah, it, it only costs ten dollars. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. Basically, it's the cost of them printing out a bib. I was going to say it's just the bib cost. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Right on. So, even the Sunset Series is more expensive than that, and they don't yeah. even give you a damn medal. Yeah, exactly. So this is this is the cheapest not a race you can get, probably. That makes me sad. Mm. The, although the uh, Sri Chinmoy ones yeah, are, I mean, cheap. for the yeah for the uh, distance, like you can do a, a full marathon for like thirty bucks, and get pancakes, and get pancakes. To yeah, point, and exactly. that's better than any medal. Yeah, mm. exactly. So yeah, so we're in the middle of training. We're in the middle of the. The, the the marathon lulls. This is where the next four weeks is really important. And then yeah. after that, it's about getting into the taper. But next yeah. four weeks is going to be tough. Yeah, I yeah. think so. It's going to be def definitely... Um, I've got a deload week next week. Yeah, that's my deload yeah. week. And I've got a 5K time trial at the end of that, mm. which is going to suck. Yeah. 5K yeah. time trials, man, they suck. Mm. Like, you get to, like, the second, third of those things, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I just want to quit. I just yeah. want to quit. And then... And then like you can, if you can get past that and start to see the finish, right? So like mm. you get to say kilometer four and you're like, all right, I've only got like a, a kilometer left. Yep. You can start to push home a little bit, but that 
between three and four, that that those that kilometer there, it's just like that's really well, a place where a lot of people quit. Science has shown that kilometer is actually four kilometers long. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. and your heart rate goes about three hundred yeah. beats per minute. That kilometer, that kilometer is four kilometers long, straight uphill. Exactly, it's always, always. the way. It doesn't matter where it is. In the snow, both ways. Exactly, in the snow. Like when my our fathers used to go to work. That's or right. School. In the snow. <laughs> my dad used to tell me that story. I said, "Dad, you grew up in Puerto Rico. <laughs> you didn't have snow." <laughs> oh. So anyway, um, so that's kind of, of what we're up to. Um, but I want to take you through a couple of articles yeah, that let's I've been do it. reading about, and I want to hear your reaction. All okay. Right. So first article is uh, from Runner's World. What would you say if I said this statement to you? Study finds that cramming all your training into one weekend is as effective as doing it throughout seven days. I would say I kind of, I guess I can see how that makes sense, but I would also add the caveat to that is if you did that, you'd probably be a hell of a lot more likely to injure yourself. Mm. Yeah. A new study has found that working out exclusively on the weekend can be as effective as spreading your exercise throughout the week. They tracked, and this is not a small sample size, 350,000 people mm. over a decade to find out if it made a difference to mortality risk if you spend the 150 minutes of recommended exercise you're meant to do throughout the week. do If you do your 150 minutes over the course of the week, is that better or worse than doing it all on the weekend in one hit? Okay, I guess my first question would be, what's the intensity of the 150 minutes? Moderate exercise, uh, moderate intensity activities make you breathe harder and make your heart beat faster than usual, but you should still be able to have a conversation whilst doing them. Okay, so it's long not, run pace. Yeah, so we're not like we're not like cramming long runs plus like speed intervals. No, and, we're not doing okay. an interval workout on the Sunday, and that's it for the week. Yeah. So maybe you're doing like. So that I guess that'd be the equivalent of a weekend warrior, yeah. say basketball player. Correct. Someone who doesn't do anything during the week and then goes out and suddenly plays three games back to back on the weekend. You know, for mortality risk. And I think that's the thing is that this is on a runner's world website. Yeah, it's not performance-based. It's not performance-based. Yeah. They're not saying that you will get the same performance benefits if yeah. you do one workout a weekend sure. versus spreading it out. And, and the other thing is what we've spoken about is training is all about routine. Mm. And so if you do it all on a Sunday morning, then you're just going to feel the urge to slack off on the other six days of the week and possibly other things in your lifestyle yeah. will suffer as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, absolutely. If you pack it all into the weekend, as long as you do the 150, you'll experience lower all-cause mortality rates than someone who's completely inactive. I mean, I guess the theory makes sense. If you're not doing... Cra like You're doing nothing. Because, yeah... if Anything's got, better than nothing. Yeah, mm. and if you've got the other five days to recover. Because, mm. I mean, I probably... My week is probably about... I'm active, mm. including running and lifting, probably anywhere between... I'm going to say seven to ten hours. Yeah, I do over a thousand intensity minutes a week. Yeah. So my watch tracks my intensity minutes, and I do over a thousand a week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if I if it's like a normal week where I'm not mm. doing like a 30 or 35 kilometer run, probably, yeah, I'm right around, mm. I, I guess, seven to ten hours. But, you know, spread out, and I guess, you know... You really have to pay attention to recovery mm. when you're doing all of it in the weekend. I guess you don't need to pay attention to recovery because you're really recovering the entire five days. Exactly. But I don't know. It's just to me, long term, that just spells, 
Yeah, it's it seems like that would burn you out. We you're... we hear that binge drinking and drinking it all on one night is not good. I don't so believe that. How no. is um binge exercising a good? Well, thing? that's why I spread yeah. out my binge drinking throughout the entire week. Oh, so you just okay drinking consistently? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. I yeah, it's it's interesting because yeah, I guess my first thoughts were what's the intensity. Mm. You know, what type of workout? And I guess, yeah, if it's not performance-based. No. Because really, when you think about fitness and health at a very base level, and you're talking about calories in versus calories out, mm. weekly calories burned, if you're going to burn them in two days or seven yeah. days, I guess. As long as you balance out those other six days to offset yeah. the seventh. I think that the other thing is, you know, like we've always said, it doesn't matter if you think it's going to be a great run. Just go start the run. Mm. And I think if it doesn't matter if... Like, don't let anyone say there's no point doing exercise because you haven't done anything all week. This study shows there actually is. Yeah. If you if you have a bad week and then you wake up on Sunday and you're like, oh, I can go do something, go do something. There will be benefit. And yeah. I yeah, I guess the next, the next thing that I would look into is, you know, because say, for example, if you're on a consistent... Say, if we're talking about running, you're mm. on a consistent running yeah. schedule... You know, you don't really lose too much fitness if you stop running for up to 10 days. And after that, you'll start to see, you know, decreases in speed and mm. VO2 max and all that good stuff. Whereas this... This is all about just being fitter than someone all who does something. Do that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Nothing. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy that. That's uh, I would be interested to see what somebody who does three hours of exercise, two and a half hours of exercise over just the weekend what their nutrition is like over the weekend. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the performance aspect that you mentioned would be interesting as well. Mm. If you took someone who was doing, like you said, let's suppose they were doing half an hour of exercise um, of moderate intensity yeah. six days a week versus someone who does you know, an hour and a half and an hour and a half two times a week, what's their performance yeah, like? Yeah, I'd be interested mm. to see what that's like, especially if like we take mm. a race, like a yeah. 10K, athletes that are equal in terms of fitness and you give them 12 weeks, one just trains on the weekends, one trains during the week as per normal, see yeah. what the yeah. 10K... Yeah, because if, if if they've still got the same amount of time, but one of them has to use it all in one block, but the other one can spread it out, the one who can spread it out is going to get the more consistent training, but yeah. they're also not going to be able to go as long or as intense. Yeah. Whereas the person who can do it all in one block, they're going to have much more time to work with, but also it's going to be really hard to, to, to build up to that yeah. if you're only training once a week. So... Mm. Yeah, I guess what we're saying is uh, JAMA International Medical Journal, back to the lab, need another 350,000 people, need another decade of research. Andrew and I want to check the maths. That's the uh, Journal of American Medics Association or Journal of American Medical um, Medicinal Association? Well, these, these people are British Heart Foundation people are commenting on it, but maybe they've taken in a... a, a, a I'd have to click a link to get more information for you, and I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. We don't do that. All right. <laughs> Next thing. How much rest should you take between intervals? Okay, well, uh, A, how long are the intervals? Mm -hmm. Yep. B, how intense are the intervals? Yep. C, what's the end goal? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what's the end goal? Are you training for an ultra versus a 5K? Are you doing 400-meter repeats as opposed to 1,000-kilometer repeats? 1,000-meter repeats? This article, um, a little slightly smaller sample size... Uh, six people. Yeah. Um, so not quite as big a sample size as the 350,000 we heard from Just before. Just a bit of a small um, And probably given the size of that sample, um, the answer is, like all good answers, it depends. Of course. That's, 
there you go. Well, yeah, that makes sense to me. It depends on the interval you're doing. Uh, it depends on what you're trying to achieve. But one thing they did find, and this is really interesting, reducing the rest interval from two minutes to one minute made it difficult for the runners to maintain the same intensity. Freaking but, duh. But yep. taking the rest interval from two minutes to four minutes did not deliver a noticeable improvement. Really? Yes. Yeah. So it feels like if you're finding one minute rest is not enough, two minute rest is good. Mm. But if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm just not recovering enough in two minutes, so I'm going to do three minutes or four, you're probably actually not getting that much benefit from it. Mm. So it feels like, you know, two minutes is kind of the sweet spot unless you're really trying to do something intense, like, you know, really top end speed or, mm. you know, things like that. Um, yeah, two minutes of rest is probably the sweet spot. Yeah, taking, I mean... Taking a minute rest only will be noticeable to impact your performance, but taking any longer than two, you're not going to get much more benefit out of it. Yeah, I guess, mm. and I, I, would, I guess I would argue with that, um, mm. with that article, because there's just, there's so much to consider. Like, if you're doing, if you're training for a 5K mm. and you're doing 400 meter repeats, if you're trying to say do, mm. and it, gets, it depends on the speed at which you're doing them. Like if it's yeah, taking yeah. you a minute and a half to do a 400 meter repeat, I'd mm. say two minutes is too long, especially if you're trying to train for something like a 5K. Yeah. I'd say do your minute and a half 400 meter repeat and then do like 30 to 60 seconds rest because it's going mm. to train your body to be uncomfortable in that it's not going to give you enough rest because really that's what's happening in a race is you're never going to, no. you, you don't, mm. In a race, you're not training for one particular segment of the race, right? So you're you're making sure that you're uncomfortable at all times. And I would even say, looking past that, if you find that you're stagnating when you're doing 400-meter mm. repeats and getting better with 5K times and you're stagnating, instead of walk resting or standing around resting for that minute, jog. Yeah. And then you see a big return. So it's, it's kind of a hard one. Like, I'd say if you're doing a mile repeat, do like 1600 meters do yeah and you want to keep it intense two to three minutes rest mm. but i think two minutes rest for anything under 800 meters is kind of like it's just it's kind it of feels too long it feels too long and yeah. it doesn't it's it's going to not really prepare you for the intensity that a race is going to bring. yeah exactly so you might going from one minutes of rest to two minutes of rest might benefit your recovery but actually you're not trying to improve your recovery right. when you're doing interval training you're trying to keep on the red line for as That's much as it. possible and if you're a sprinter mm. if, if if you're training the sprint then yeah you're you're, you're doing yeah. you know 50 to 100 meter dashes and you're taking three to five minutes it's rest. like when you're doing um power lifting you're right yeah because you want that you want that efficiency back whereas if you're training for a distance race you need to be somewhat compromised. You're trying to lift your floor yeah. when you're training for a distance race. When you're training for sprinting or something, you're trying to maximize your ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. That was nice. That was good. Good for you. I didn't read that. that is I great. just came up with that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, Journal of Strength and Conditioning. Bronze. Yeah. yeah. I'll give that a bronze. Bronze, bronze medal. Um, speaking of things that happen uh, when you do running, here's... From uh, Runner's World again. I'm going to read these out to you. And I'll, I'll preface this. This is one of the most yada articles <laughs> I've written in a long time. Yeah. Um, six common injuries you should never train, try to train through. Right. Six common injuries you should never try to train through. Guarantee I've trained through all of them because um, I'm an idiot. Well, you might not have, but also some of these are like, um, you know... They're the equivalent of open head wound. Oh. Don't try and train through an open head wound, you know. Yeah. Uh, just post-amputation. 
okay. you know, stuff that, like that. That is where my mind went. Yeah. Um, so the first one is stress fractures. Yeah, okay. Don't try and train through a stress fracture. Yeah. Um, because if you've got one, the chances of you getting another one are really, really high. And those are um, those are tough because mm. you don't always know, and an x-ray won't pick them up. Yes. Uh, I've trained through stress fractures, mm. but because I didn't know, like, the, the, the ultra. Yes. I, I, it was in training. I finished the race on a stress fracture. Shin splints are stress fractures. Yeah, yep. that's a good point. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's fair. So, um, yeah, uh, pump the brakes, yeah. they're saying, um, stress fractures. This next one, I, I'm glad they diagnosed what this is. Patellofemoral pain syndrome. Runner's knee. Yep. Runner's the knee. kneecap, a.k.a. the patella, as as said that, runs on the thigh bone. Yep. yep. So pain at the front of the knee. Yep. Um, often caused by muscle strength imbalance. Basically, your gait is wrong. And, you know, the knee is the hinge that sits in the middle of you for running and all the pressure hits it. That's yep. one of those ones. Yeah, it's kind of like they make a special braces and things mm. for it and basically the, the the science behind that getting fixed is sort of mm. alleviating the pressure on the front of the knee by strengthening everything you're else. right and yeah. it's kind of yeah runner's knee is is very common mm, i'd say probably half of all runners will experience some form of run yeah knee. and and runners are always like well i'm gonna try and push through this and i guess what they're saying is if it is actually diagnosed as runner's knee don't do it um, don't do it right. um until you can do it without pain, cycling. Cycling will yeah. give you the movement, but it won't have the same impact. Um, this one, Achilles tendonitis. You yeah. know, if you, trust me, I've ruptured my Achilles. It's not fun. Mm. Six weeks off is a lot better than 12 months off. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, Achilles can be partially torn, fully torn, um, just stressed. They can lead to other things. Achilles tendonitis can lead to um, plantar fasciitis, which is horrible as well. Um, so, yeah, anytime your Achilles starts to flare up, Get it checked out. Do mm. not mess around with Achilles. Yeah. Um, this one's interesting. Hip pain. That's vague. Yeah, very vague. Um, many causes of hip pain from hip impingement, gluteal tendonitis, IT band, yep. tears, stress fractures. Um, basically, generally, it's the result of decreased core and glute stability mm. or increasing something too quick before bones and muscles are strong enough to handle it. Sure. Um, and so, you know, the tip there is train your gore, train your, your glutes and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, yeah, hip pain... It's kind of hard. Like, every runner has hip... Every runner has sore, tight <laughs> hips. Yeah. You know, stretching. Like, I've got sore hips all the time. Yeah, stretching and mobility is like... Yeah. I mean, you do a mobility test and chances are... Oh. You're going to... As a runner, you're going to be weak mobility-wise in your hips, your ankles, mm -hmm. and your knee. Yeah. The problem with hip pain is... If you push your hips, there's not a lot there. No. So there's not a lot of blood flow. So when something does go wrong in it's your hard. hips, it's hard to recover. You, you can't really... It's hard to roll that. I find oh. that suction is good for the hips. Yeah. Rolling on a foam roller on your hips is one of the worst yeah, things. It sucks. It's just And it's awful. just like it feels like you're doing more harm than good, and you might be. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, number five, hamstring strains. Okay. If you can run through a hamstring strain, congratulations. Because <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's one of the simple ones, which is... It's just gone. You yeah. can't run... Like, running through that is just terrible. No, it's the yeah. worst. Um, so, again, hamstrings, quads, and glutes. So, glutes. Do your glute workouts. Do your hip bridges. Do your glute lunges and everything. Um, deadlifts. And, and, and warm deadlifts up properly. Yeah. Yes. Deadlifts to build strength as well. Uh, and then, finally, one. Um, lower back pain. 
That's a good point. Mm. Um, you know, I, it's funny because I, I kind of, I my, my lower back kind of tweaked a little bit this morning and I felt it on my run. And mm. what the dangerous thing about lower back pain is, is it starts to, you change your gait a lot because yes. of it. And then all of a sudden that back pain turns into knee pain or hip pain or foot pain because your gait has changed so much. So if, if, I mean, I guess the moral of the story there is if it's something that's hurting, that's changing your running gait or yes. your running form, that's going to hurt other things really quickly. Yeah, correct. Like, it, it won't take days or weeks of doing this. Like, that can happen within minutes. That's the, you've almost quoted exactly what it says here. Oh, good for me. If you find yourself altering your exercise form or popping pills to push through pain, the risk of continuing training is not worth any potential reward. Mm. Yeah. So um, anytime you sort of go, oh, I need to pop a couple of Nurofen to go out and do that training run, that's probably not a good sign. That's yeah. probably time for you to, to back it off. Yeah. Of course, popping a handful of Nurofen on a race day, that's fine. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's not like you're going to be lying face down at the edge of a mountain. No, not at all. I've not had any experience <laughs> with that. No, let's just eat them like Smarties down there. Exactly. Down um, one article, um, so I'm going on to the next article now. We're still with uh, Runner's World. But one condition they didn't talk about, but I've actually had this happen quite a bit, and I wonder if you do as well, why you experience shoulder pain when running. And what to do about it? Mm. Do you often get pain in your shoulders? Um, um, I like like not just oh they're a little bit stiff and I got to loose them out, but actual pain because uh, you, you carry a lot more weight on your shoulders than every, a normal runner. Every now and then, and mm. there's a couple things at play there. Like I find that mm. in the middle of my shoulder blades, like at the base of my neck, mm. you know, if my if my stride and it doesn't happen on shorter runs, but if yeah. if I've been out there for like a couple of hours, I'll start to feel it because if your if your posture is not on point, yeah. Yeah, it can start to, you know, it's just like if you're slouching for a long period of time, then you add in running mm. and jostling your arms around yep. and you're not doing it in the most efficient way possible, sure. Yeah. yeah. So the, the nine common causes of shoulder pain, because yep. we're basically just reading lists on this podcast right now. Let's do it. Um, you recently started running or you recently upped your mileage. Yeah. That's often the reason for anything. That's kind running. of, that's kind of like, yeah, yeah. if you've upped anything, you're going to get everything yeah the first thing a doctor will say to you when you complain about a running injury is um are you awake if the answer is you're awake the second thing will be did you just up your mileage <laughs> because that's the cause for everything yeah pretty much um uh, number two you're holding too much tension in your upper body yeah so too stiff if you watch kipchoge run that man is smooth like the oh, ocean yeah. there is no tension in that upper body mm -hmm. at all he just sort of floats um so too much tension in the upper body um poor posture Sure. And poor posture can impact um, breathing as well. Yeah. If you're hunched over, you're not going to get as much oxygen into your lungs, which is not great. You no. need oxygen. You kind of do that thing called breathing when you run, and yeah. it helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so be mindful of your posture. Shoulder blades back and down, chest up, eyes forward, neck in line with your spine. It's a lot to remember. You know, I, I, always, I, 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 I always imagine when I'm running that well not always but when i'm trying to really focus on my form i imagine that there's a string in my chest and it's kind of going upward and well slightly upward yep and that's what's my guiding center like I the donnie darko thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> uh, or sometimes i'll imagine that you know aaron is watching me the entire time mm, and that i'm running exactly so <laughs> i'm like i gotta look good here yeah <laughs> so that when i think about that stuff it's like those are the things that are better for my running posture mm. i was talking to jenna tonight at track because mark wasn't there and she was running the session and she's going to go do some 
training where she can then videotape us and do the slow-mo and then sort of sit there and go, oh, well, this is what your form is when you're running. So videotape from the side and videotape from the front and actually critique it and talk about yeah, all this sort of the, stuff. The only thing that I will say about when you're videoing, if you if you ever want to go and video yourself running, everybody, the thing that I will say is... Wear pants. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't do it while you're fresh. Do it mm. like after you've been running hard for 20, 15, 20 minutes and you're kind of... To get to the point where... You don't care that the camera's on you. Yes. That you're that tired. Because what's going to happen is when you realize that you're being filmed, you're mm. going to change shit. Yeah. So film yourselves after you're tired. Like the a, be, a great way to film yourself is after you've done like a two or three mile hard tempo. Then, you know, start running. And 15 minutes into that, yeah. get... Because if you... That's the problem with like gait analysis at a, a running store, right? Yeah. You're on your best behavior. Exactly. Because yeah. that's not your stride. Your stride is mm. in the middle of a race. You've been working really hard. That's where it's at. So there's not, I mean, yeah, you're going to get some. Uh, if some, you do it properly, it's worth it. Yeah. But you got to make sure it's done properly. Exactly. You'll yeah. get some info and some data from mm. recording yourself fresh, but it's a tricky one. Yeah. But yeah. Um, number four, while your shoulders hurt, yeah. your arm swing is off. Yeah. You're just swinging your arms wrong. Yeah. It's really basic, you and you're doing it wrong. Flailing around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Over-rotating and all that sort of stuff. Um, if your upper body is weak, mm. that's not great. So that's why, even though you think it's not critically essential for distance training and running training, doing some upper body strength now and again, rowing machines, some shoulder presses, some sort of upper body workout is going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah. Because, um, you know, lack of muscle can hurt just as much mm. as too much muscle. I thought this was interesting, and this again always seems to be the answer that runners use to justify. Um, the reason your shoulders hurt is because you need new running shoes. That, uh, yeah, I guess, do you know, I guess it makes sense because, like, when you're. Okay, so depending on the shoe that you're wearing, it mm. can definitely alter your stride, you know, because I have a. I mean, it can alter your stride later on in the run. For example, mm. my. My alpha flies. I don't love them, but I was just talking to Kirk about this the other day. Later in my workout, my alpha flies allow me to do things that maybe my ASICs don't. Right. And like, I can continue a little bit more strongly, and I can feel like I can hold my stride together a little bit more. Whereas if I'm doing that same workout in a different shoe, I'm not, as, I'm not feeling as efficient. And so, yeah, that's going to affect everything mm. from the ground up. Yeah, this article saying... Worn out shoes change the support. The change of support changes the gait and stride. There you go. The gait and stride changes the way that you move and it, it travels up to the top of your body. Yeah. So if, you, if you're if you a really, really strong runner, you know, breakdowns in form and things going wrong in running will find the weak part of your body. Oh, yeah. So if your ankles are good, your knees are good, your quads are good, your glutes are good, well, eventually it's going to find its way to yeah. your shoulders. And then eventually you're going to reach a point where you're like, oh, well, I've got no problems with this run. And then you're going to go pick a distance that's longer and your body will start to break down again. So, you know, you always find a way to break yourself. Running lies to you. Yeah. <laughs> Running is actually not great. No. Um, thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. See Bye. You see ya. That's the end. Uh, no, uh, a couple other reasons why your shoulders hurt. Uh, you're stressed. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you're an aggressive heel striker. Also makes sense because you're shocks. Yeah, you're breaking yeah. yourself every every step. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then uh, you know to compensate from the your shoulders are too tense. Um, the other reason is you're too relaxed. 
Really? Yep. Uh, apparently, if you don't hold too much tension, you can flop around oh, and you yeah. can bounce and you so can So everything's moving wrong. too much. Yeah. I want to go back to aggressive heel striker. I just like that phrase. Aggressive heel striker. I, I imagine somebody yeah. who's like really angry looking, kind of like Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk yeah. running. That's Your aggressive. heel is the first thing that hits the pavement. It hits it hard and the resulting shock will go through your body and travel upward to your shoulders. Just aggressive. And your shoulders hold your neck and everything in place to stop it from rattling your brain. Mm. So if your shoulders don't take the impact of the strike, your brain does because yeah. it bounces around. So it's like yeah. constant head banging. Yeah, I mean you should also try and you know, heel striking gets a bad rap. Some people are just naturally heel strikers. Yeah, it just depends. But, I mean, I guess yeah. yeah. If you can try and avoid it, it's probably for the best. Mm. Yeah, because a lot of the times heel striking also leads well doesn't lead to but goes hand in hand with over striding because mm. everybody thinks about this long gazelle like stride when you run and that's kind of like not what you want to be doing as a distance runner mm. so yeah there you go yeah but just to show and just to prove um that injury never stops anything when it comes to runners this is from canadian running uh and i'm gonna hack the the, the headline together to take like the headline and then the actual summary okay um the Guinness World Record holder for consecutive marathons, Kate Jaden, who ran 106 marathons in 106 days, reveals she ran her final 60 marathons injured on a fractured knee. Jesus. Yes. So in April 2022, she finished 106 straight days of running a marathon. Yeah. And the final 60 marathons were on a fractured knee and she may not be able to run again. Oh, bummer. This is not just a, oh, wow, you sort of pushed your way through it. She may be cutting over to cycling now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd ask her if I... I feel like we need to get this girl on the podcast yes. somehow. Uh, Kate Jaden. I'd be... I, I, I think my first question, or the last question, depending on... Why? Well, <laughs> was it worth it? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. She's only 35. Oh, wow. So she's 35. She's got the world record. I feel like that world record for consecutive marathons has been broken like three times this year already. Yeah. Um, so she'll probably lose it by the she, end of the year. April 2022. Yeah. Really recent. Really maybe recent. Maybe we get her on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so she did not realize that day... This is a quote. I did not realize that day 106 was going to be my last long run. But if you could have planned it to be, it was an excellent way to go out. That... Feels like she's ain't running again. She's, and it feels like she's kind of accepted it, too. Exactly, which I... Yeah. I mean, I guess... I, you know, it's funny. Runners are funny because... <laughs> you're all weirdos. You're all freaks. Um, so, it's like we get this, like, injury that could potentially stop us. But we always kind yeah. of, in the back of our mind, we always believe that we're going to come back. And so, mm -hmm. we don't actually believe it. So, yeah. I don't know. <sighs> That's a hard one. I... I, yeah, I, I would just really be curious as to what goes on in mm. her mind if if she actually believes that she's not going to run again. Yep. I mean, look, if you're an athlete and you're somebody who just pushes the limit and that's what your thing is, if it's not going to be running, you know, it's going to be cycling, it's going to be swimming, yeah. it's going to be she's something else. going to find something competitive. Right. Yeah. Like, if you can't run long distance anymore, maybe she finds, all right, well, I'm going to try and beast the hell out of my 5K yeah. time. or Full full body contact chess yeah, or something. Yeah, that's a fun yeah. time. I mean, they did that in Harry Potter, yeah. right? There yeah, you exactly. Um, Wizard's Quidditch. chess. Yeah. Or Quidditch. Or Quidditch. That was fun. Uh, Wizard's chess is something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but that's just, you know, I would, my goal is to run a 100 marathon events or greater in my life 
And once I've done 100... You're kind of almost there. You've done like 20 plus. I've done 20. Melbourne will be 20. So I'm, I'm 20% of the way to my goal. And I've been doing... This is my sixth Melbourne, so I've been doing marathons now for because we had a couple of years off with COVID. Seven or eight years. So realistically, it's a, quite a few years now at mm. my current pace, probably at least another 30 years or so. Yeah, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Until I can get to 100. She did... 106 in 106 days. Well, I mean, look, I guess the payoff there is in, mm. in about 30 years, if you were to do that, you're probably not going to run too much after that 30 years. So no. she just did all... It's yes. kind of like I did all my week's workout in, yes. <laughs> in one. She, she went, yeah, I could spread these 106 out over the course of 60 years or, or I can do it all in three months. Well, there you go. And I'm done. <laughs> it's, hey, it's as far as I thing. know, I got the same benefits. That was a great circle back. Well, we've come back to the first article. There That's you go. awesome. All right. F- final final um, one I'm going to put to you. Um, runner's world the Spanish researchers have been on the case they've analysed the results from 45,000 runners who took place in the 2014 New York Marathon so the Madrid University have had this data for 8 years obviously a couple of siestas along the way they haven't been on the job the whole time sitting on it come on they've been sitting on it catch up they've worked out the best age to run your fastest marathon at what age do they believe you have to be to run your fastest marathon? I'm going to say somewhere between 38 and 44. Mm-hmm. You should be way younger than that. Really? Way younger. They're saying what they've done is they've looked at the top runners in both the male and female categories um, across all the different age ranges and everything um, and analyzed the results. And they're saying for men, the golden age for the marathon is 27. Okay. And for women, it's 29. My ask would be, when did these people start running? Yeah, so it does, the article does not reveal how long they had been running beforehand. Uh, this is only one study on one marathon. Yeah. Those who come to running later in life, train hard and consistently, can still run their quickest marathon there you go. in their 30s, 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s, whatever. But all things being equal, if you were to start at the age of, 20 or whatever, Yeah, 27 for a man and 29 would be um, your absolute theoretical peak. And that kind of that kind of uh, correlates to things that I've read and, and heard that basically when you start running, probably mm. somewhere between 5 and 10 years into your running, is that's when you're going to peak. Yeah. So if you started when you were 30, by the time you're 40, you're probably close to that peak. Yeah. But that said, that's like... Especially with distance running, the older that you get, so okay, so if you were in high school a really fast miler, or uh, you know five k runner, as you get older and older and older, your speed, your fast twitch speed is going to slow down. But that doesn't mean that you won't continue to improve with your longer distances, even five k. Like if you were a fast like five minute miler in high school. Mm. You're not going to necessarily potentially be able to do that into your 30s and 40s, but you might still be able to translate to a faster and faster 5K, 10K, uh, half yeah. full marathon. So, you know, because your, your, your base speed for shorter distances and that system might decrease a little bit faster, but your mm. speed at which you do longer distances could still increase so it's kind of like a yeah it, it's a it's a the it's described as a bell curve so there's a couple of interesting things here um 18 year olds mm. have really similar marathon times to 60 year olds yeah there you go so 18 year olds and 16 year olds have very similar marathon times but 
from 18 to your late 20s, you're going to go up until you're at your theoretical peak, but then you don't drop off from 20 straight down. You go very, very slowly down. Your decrease, and again, this is one study. Yeah. You, this decrease is saying that your time when you're 55, that's when you'll start to see a more aggressive drop-off. Okay. And so up until the time you're 55, you're running faster than the average athlete who's 18 years old. Mm. It's only after 55 that they're seeing stuff come back to more of what an 18-year-old. If you're 60 years old and you can run as well as an 18-year-old, that's it. still pretty bloody good, you're loving it. I think. Yeah. And that's the thing about and that's mm. that's what that's the thing mm. with like distance running. Like, mm. you, at 60 years old, you're probably not going to be able to do the same kind of mile as an 18-year-old. But yeah, uh, big, long distances, that, that really, that's an interesting thing. Well, that, that sort of pays off. Like, the Tour de France, which is the cycling event, mm. they often talk about newcomers to that event. Oh, they're really good, but they're too young. Sure. They don't have the endurance. They don't have the stamina. They've got to go through this a couple of years and learn the race, learn the event. And so an 18-year-old marathoner might have the body to do it, yeah. but they don't have the experience. You need to, you know. And no one's saying that if you're 27, you can start running a marathon today and you will do your best ever time. Mm. You know, this implies that these right. people have probably exactly. been training for a while. I mean, there's yeah, and that, that was why, like, there's a lot there. It's like, mm. how long have these been people have been training what's their training like like, mm. like because for me i started you know i've been running all my life but yep. not really running all yes. my life i've only started road racing only a few years back and i don't even i don't believe that i'm anywhere near my ceiling in terms of long distance yeah i think i, I firmly believe that that sub three hours is in there if i can keep the injuries at bay mm. if not then i look at okay so if i can't continue to do marathons then i look at my 5 and 10 case i don't believe that i'm at my ceiling with that yes i've done a sub 20 mm. 5k i think that a sub 19's in there mm. i think for a 10k a sub 40's in there so you know and i'm 37 yeah so i think i'll probably in the next 5 to 10 years i'll find what my ceiling is yep and then that'll be it like and, that's and once something... you hit your ceiling, you can stay close to your ceiling yeah, for a long time. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, mm. you know. And and that's this that's I guess a part of this article is that I don't if I've started later, I don't have as long to find that ceiling no. before it drops off. Like so, I have maybe five or ten years to find that ceiling before it starts to. Dwindle. And your ceiling might be theoretically lower yeah. than if you'd done it at twenty-seven. Right. But you can still find your ceiling, and your ceiling at. 37, 47 is going to be not that far off. Right. Your ceiling at, at 27. 27. Yeah. You know, if you try and do it at 60, okay, now you're probably going to find that you can't get quite to that limit. Right. But it sounds like you can still be as fast as an 18-year-old. You can absolutely... Like, like, my, in this article, they talk about um, Joe Schoenblut, who is from Belgium, 71 years old, ran a 254.19. I'd go. love to run a 254.19. I'd love to run a... 319 exactly so but yeah. yeah and that's the thing like you know kirk he mm. just he did a time trial his 5k last weekend i think it was a it was a pr mm. he's 39 and he used to run track in in high school mm. college he just ran like a, i think it was like a 15 20 something yep. 5k and that was the fastest he's ever done it he's 39 years old yeah he started in young but doing really short distances and he only transitioned into longer distances whenever he did yeah but it's like if somebody's 39 and yes he's been running for a while but he's only just finding that ceiling and i don't think he's done i think he still wants to keep going yeah. and get faster 
you can get faster. Mm. You're going to get faster than you think you can. Mm. Whatever that means. Like, yeah. you know. I'm the same. Like, I probably, after I did my Achilles and got back into running, I got back into that at about 34. Mm. I set my PB for the marathon when I was 40. I'm 43 now. And I don't feel like that's my PB forever no. and I'll never get it done. Now, my 5K PB feels very far away. Yeah. Um, but What's that's your PB for your 5K? 5 it's only like 20... 23 or something like that. Get the hell out, really? Yeah, I've never you, I've never gone sub 20 for 5 But you can do a 329 marathon? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I feel like you can do a sub It's it's like you with your squats and bench press and oh, everything. Yeah. It's all completely out. Yeah. It makes no sense. I can't get anywhere close to what my Garmin says I can do for um 5k, but I'm like my marathon. I'm See, like, that's yeah. and that's funny. That that makes me think so there's something to that slow twitch and fast twitch yeah. athlete. And I'm not saying that I'm or you are either end of those spectrums, but I'm p- perhaps I am more close to a fast twitch yep. athlete, and you are closer to a slow twitch athlete, which, in essence, will make you better at say marathons, and it'll make me or well more yeah. efficient at marathons, and it'll make me more efficient at say five k. So that's an interesting yeah. thing. My background's Eastern European. My people were you know walking over icy tundras, hunting mammoths, and stuff like that. I'm you Puerto know. Rican, and we just run from the law. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's some stereotypes. Yeah, um, it's okay because I'm yeah. that, so I'm allowed to say it. Um, one, one final thing that this is also really interesting: the male and female finishing times, they're within like twenty percent of each other. Right. So your best thirty-five-year-old man and your best thirty-five-year-old woman, pretty close. Right. You know, it's only once you get to like above the age of fifty-five that the gap seems seems to widen. But that's also sample size. Okay. Like, there's not as many people doing it at a certain point. You've mm. got more people doing it in the younger ages, so you're able to see closer times. Whereas, you know, the, the, the men versus women, once you get over a certain age, you know, the women tend to drop away a little bit more. Sure. But the men keep on running. That's mm. also what they show. Right on. Um, but yeah, so there you go. The answer is unequivocally, according to the Madrid University on data that is almost a decade old now, the answer is 27-year-old male and 29-year-old female is the theoretical peak for your best ever marathon. Okay, well, there you go. Let's all smash that out of the park. There we go. That's all I have. Right on. That was fun. Was that okay? That was a, that was a lot of fun. You know, it was funny because we used to do these articles and stuff all the time when we mm. didn't have anything to talk about, but this felt more... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Connected? Not Thematic? connected. Uh, prepared? Prepared when you're doing something that actually has a goal. Yes. Um uh, not progressive. Purposeful. Purposeful. Not the word I'm looking for. Purposeful. Nope. Dolphin. Uh, no. Narwhal. Wow, it's not working. <gasps> That's not even a no, whale. That's that like a bird. That, that was of like some a seagull sort. or something. The seagull. Well, seagulls are by the beach. Yeah, but they're not whales, though. No. I mean, you know. Well, okay, I, I will admit that if I was aiming for whale song and I hit seagull, I've missed it by a smidge. Fair enough. Yeah. No. Hmm. I wish I could think of that word that I'm looking for. Beneficial? No. Pedantic? No. Annoying? Doesn't matter. Frustrating? Never going to find it. Well, gassy. that, I'm frustrated now because I can't think of the word. Gassy? Are you yeah. gassy? No. Is it gas? I don't think so. Okay. That's right. That was fun. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll think about the word on the next episode. We'll find it. But anyway. Yeah, look, that's how you can open up the next episode. Yeah. Just say that word. Blah. And that's the whole episode. Well, next episode, we should be able to talk about how I went on my Bellarine Rail Trail yeah. long run. It'll be a little bit of a race recap. We'll see how that We'll race, see how you race. go on your one as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. My one, what? Your long run on Friday. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. That'll be fun. Mm. Uh, I'm so excited to see what the difference is between the first 5K hard and the second 5K hard mm. with the everything in between. But anyway, yeah, so I think um, everybody, that's about all we've got to say about that. So, look, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast. We hope to see you out there on the roads, the trails, and the treadmills going above and beyond what you ever thought possible. We will catch you next time.